so let's pray as we uh, look at these things. Our Father God, we thank you. We thank you that you are our Father and we're your children. We thank you that you have called us your own and we belong. We thank you that you have met us where we are and that you have brought us to yourself. And Father, we thank you that you uh, never leave yourself without a voice and your voice is living. And Father, we just do pray that through the Spirit you would speak to us this morning, um, but not only that you would just speak to us of your great love and your mercy, and that, Father, in that uh, we would hear and know and see all the more um, that which you are to us and, and who we are in you. We commend it to you, Father, in Jesus' name. Um, now, um, when I do go to the little country churches that I, that I go to um, frequently enough, uh, I always uh, share um, a poem or three, um, and I, I thought it was actually reasonably appropriate, um, given that which I've got in mind for us this morning, that I would share a couple of poems uh, as well, um, uh, some about the, the word that we'll look at and some not so much. So this is the tale of Edgar Smith. This one's not so much. Uh, It was a fine and sunny day when Edgar Smith decided to plant the petunia seeds that to him had been provided. So off came his floor-shine shoes and his tie and his jacket, and on went his rubber boots, and the new fork came from its packet. Dig to a fine tooth, it said, so he chose a little spot and set about to dig a ground for his petunia plot. Well, there was nothing fine about the ground, the soil an orangey red. It was sticky and heavy and most unhelpful as he dug for his petunia bed. But Edgar worked hard upon the ground until his brow was wet and until the soil was fairly fine, well, as fine as it was going to get. And Edgar reached for his pack of seeds, opened the little flap, the seed no bigger than specks of dust in his petunia pack. He looked at his patch of ground and then back at his seeds and while he was thinking about how to, sn- how to sow... There was an almighty sneeze. (laughs) Edgar looked at his pack again, and the seeds were all gone. He put the fork back in the shed, and he put his suit back on. And Edgar cursed the ground each day as he passed his little plot, as some people would like to garden, but Edgar Smith would not. But the sun shone on Edgar's seeds, and the rain rewarded his toil, and finally the seed emerged from his clay soil, and not all the seed fell in his plot, but they were an inch high, perhaps twenty, maybe more, when they finally caught his eye. Well, his joy, it knew no bounds, and he looked a silly sight as the jolly old businessman danced left and right. But the garden does reward us. Whether the toil is small or great, there will be a response. We're prepared to wait. Well, Edgar was converted. Gardening now was fun. He's worn the paint from his fork for a gardener he has become. Um, This is a little bit more fitting. Okay. Um, There is a point to this. I'll come back to it. There is a point to this. Um, From the ground I was created to the ground I will return, my feeble body will expire in the hour that I will learn. From the lines of Adam born, I am sinful just as he I too ran from the God of love to the bright lights that I see. For it is that I'm a sinner, both in body and in mind. But the Saviour has come to me and pardoned my every crime. For sinful man he shed his blood and at the hand of man he died that we might be reconciled to walk by his side. Now I may die tomorrow or grow old gradually. 
But every day I will know his love that's come to me. And when I finally do expire and my body laid to rest, I will look upon his face, lie upon his breast. Now words cannot describe his love that's come to me, nor my mind comprehend the glory comprehend the glory when, when, when his face I see. But on that day that I will die, don't you weep and grieve, for I will be in glory in heavenly company. And one more for you too. Um, be filled with joy every hour and know the Lord is close and think of what he's done for you when your hope is lost. For every path for you to take, every step to tread, he has trod before you and is waiting up ahead. For when you're feeling frail and weak, you will feel his might and you will be all-powerful when he is in your sight. Father God, creator, his son sacrificed, Holy Spirit within you through the sleepless night. And when the hour is darkest, he will carry you and will lead you safely until the hour is through. So we will be looking this morning, if we get back to where we start, um, our main point for us this morning is that because we have been loved by God and that he has set his love upon us in the giving of Jesus to the cross, because we have been purified in heart and in conscience, then we are free to love both God and people. Uh, some years ago, Andre was telling me um, that there was a, uh, a renowned theologian, which I can't remember who it was, but, um, and he was asking some sort of media interview that after his years of study, what did he think was actually, you know, the essence, the thrust, the, the, the great takeaway from the scriptures after his years of study? And his reply, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. You know, the, there is the, the depth of God's love for us it will take us a lifetime and an eternity to well, it, even if we did for a lifetime and for eternity, which we can, we'll never get to the, the end of it. We'll never get to the, the end of the mystery. His love is great and immense and immeasurable, but not unknowable. We don't have to have, you know, great um, m- m- uh, maturity or, or understanding. We don't need to have studied the scriptures forever to know that God loves us that God has set his love upon us, that God has met us where we are and brought us to himself. And yes, we, will, we seek to know and discover more and more of his love, but God's love is not unknowable. And we can't think and we mustn't think that we'll only know it if we've studied enough. It's not so. God meets us and reveals himself to us through the Spirit that we actually might know he has spread his love into our hearts, that we can actually know him, be known by him. We can love God. We must love God. This because he first loved us. He has met us where we are. His mercy and grace are not cheap. Cost God everything, but they are completely free. Completely free. Um, so, um, what have I got? <laughs> oh, okay. Um, God's lo- God is love by nature. Uh, God is love by nature. That is His very essence. You know, um, 
if you could describe God in lots of ways, but love is his very nature. Everything about God is love because he is love by nature. Um, we can have peace with God. We can have hope in God, but God is not hope. God is not peace, but God is love. And his love actually, um, well, I read somewhere they described it, his love colours everything that he does. So um, it's not enough. It's not enough for us to say that God is loving. Um, we can be loving and we can not be loving. Um, God is love. Um, we could probably say that God is all loving and that would probably be better. But the scriptures tell us that God is love and that all God's attributes are in love. So that is um, his holiness is loving holiness. His mercy is loving mercy. And even his judgments, if we can hear it, is loving judgments. Because God is love by nature in, in very essence. Um, and who are we? Well, we are actually those made in God's likeness, in God's image that we are made. So we're not as God by any means. But we are structured to live and to love and to relate to God and to find our completeness in God. That is, we can love because we have been made in his likeness and we have been made through him. And his love flows into us and through us as we go about living and loving because we are made in his likeness, in that nature. It is right for us. It is, it is our, our way that love would flow in us and through us, and we can love God and love one another because that is who we are and that is who we have made. And God has poured his love into us, and he pours his love out through us. Um, and his spirit is given to us that we might actually know his love and know who he is and know that we are loved by, by him. So how do we know that God loves us? You know, what do we tell the children? How do we know that God loves us? Um, that he sent his son. That he sent his son to the cross. That he actually might, um, that Jesus, um, we know that from the very beginning or from before the beginning that, that God the son was always going to be Christ the man. That he was always going to be that one that would come and that would give himself um, as God as God to be amongst us. Now, it would be absolutely wonderful uh, if, you know, Christ came and he revealed the Father and he taught us the Father. That would be wonderful, but it would not be enough. And it would be wonderful if, you know, we see, you know, John says, you know, Christ has come and he's explained God and we, we see God the Father walking around Palestine and we see the nature of God the Father in that man walking around Palestine. But just to see his nature would not be enough for us. We, we needed a saviour. We need a saviour. And so there we know that God loved us, that he sent his son to be uh, the saviour, the saviour, the one that would go to the cross and take away everything that would be... Um, that would, that would keep us from God. Everything that we would have known and been against God, uh, that is what we have in, in God's love. That he has sent his son um, to be the lamb of sacrifice, the one that, uh, through whom we would have life and life in, and love in God. The one that bears away all the sin and the shame and the accusations um, the one that actually identifies with all of fallen humankind and that he would take all into himself and bear that. 
We remember John Calvert telling us that um, when we think about all our big words that end in shun, and the most important one is propitiation. And John was telling me afterwards when we contemplated all our big words that end in shun, you know, justification, sanctification, glorification, um, adoption, regeneration, all flow from propitiation. All flow from the fact that Christ came and Christ went to the cross and bore away all, all the wrath of the holy God so that God is um, joined, um, rejoined, I can't think of the word that I'm looking for now, but um, he, is, um, he is back with us and we are with him and all the flow, everything that flows from the propitiation, the one that has come and borne everything um, till its completion. It is finished, he cried. And it was finished. And there was nothing that would keep us from God. And so that we see how God loved us. It wasn't when, like, when did he set his love upon us? When did he set his love upon us? When we did something good? You know, when we, when we were babies and hadn't done anything wrong? Before the foundation of the world, he set his love upon us. There he, um, there we are, are made whole and whole and complete. It was while we were yet sinners, wasn't it? While we were yet sinners, he set his love upon us. And you know, this was always the nature of God, isn't it? It is the nature of God from the beginning. It's always how God is and all is his nature. You know, we have the ten words, don't we, you know, given to Israel, the ten words, the ten commandments as we call them, and they tell out the nature of God, don't they? They tell out the nature of, of, of love and how it is that we are to love and how it is that we are to relate. And so we see in the ten words uh, the nature of God and how we are to relate to him and how he relates to us and how we live our, our lives in love and how we can relate one with the other. And when it says you do not steal, you do not commit adultery, because it is not natural for us to do that. It's just completely unnatural for us. It's people made in God's image. You know, the ten words were given to a saved people, weren't they, interestingly enough? They were given to a saved people. We are saved by, by God's work even before we knew it, even before we loved him. While we were enemies, he saved us. While we were enemies, he set his love upon us. Um, sometimes it's said that uh, Israel is God's favourite people. Not so. As though he had favourites. As though they actually earned something. No, no, God's chosen people. Uh, God's chosen people, chosen for his purpose. It was not like they had any worth or merit that God chose them. But he chose them and he set his love, and as he sets his love upon us without worth or merit, he sets his love upon us. Um, I tell my daughters that love is not a hole that you fall into. Love is a decision of the will. You decide to set your love. He has decided to set his love. Not that there was any merit, not that we were lovely or particularly lovable, but that um, he has set his love upon us. Never based on works, but based on the fact that God is love. Um, and we receive his love. And we receive his love in that light that he just gives his love to us without um, worth or, or 
without him being having earned it, but we receive his love. Um, and some days, you know, you can just know God's love, just so close and so dear and so near. And other days, not so much. Other days, not so much that we don't know his, feel his love in that same way. But what is the truth, friends? What is the truth that he has set his love upon us? That he has shown his love for us? He has shown it to us in the, the cross of Christ. And even whether we feel it or not, the action, completed, finished work of the cross is no less complete whether we feel it or whether we don't. Because that is God's action and it is what God has done amongst us, that he has set his love upon us and that he has loved us. Um, Spurgeon apparently uh, wrote, um, we love because he first loved us, that one little uh, verse. Apparently Spurgeon wrote five sermons um, on that, just that one verse. And he says, this means that it is true that he loves us. Now, do you believe it? Do you really believe that he has loved you so? Sit down, turn the subject over in your mind and say to yourself, Jesus loves me. Jesus chose me. Jesus redeemed me. Jesus called me. Jesus pardoned me. And Jesus has taken me into union with himself. That is who we are. That is where we are. And to be, you know, sometimes we are wonderfully flushed with love and we feel it near uh, and we feel um, full of his love, flowing and um, sometimes we don't feel it. But we love anyway because we know that his love has been set upon us and because we know that he has set his love upon us, we can actually go out and love anyway. And we will go out and love anyway. And that is the maturing of his love among us, that we will love, um, that is his love being perfected in us, maturing, being made complete, because we will love, because we know for sure, whether we feel it or not, that he has loved us and that he has set his love upon us and that um, he will be continuing to love us. And that all the more that the work of the cross is finished and God is abiding in us through his spirit and we will go out in love whether we feel it or not uh, we will go out in love and that is his love being matured in us Um, because how do we know how do we know how the judgment works it is not through our works it is through our john tells us in john 3 that um, it is through christ through our believing in christ that is how we know uh that God loves us, and that is how the judgment works, whether we believe or not in the Son. Um, And that Jesus, the Son, is the only way for salvation. And our confidence is in him more and more. And our love that flows from him is um, apparently when he talks about uh, is being uh, perfected there, um, is completely complete, uh, is apparently the word that he uses in that. Lachlan, um, I have an illustration for you. Okay, uh, if I might. Is this going to work? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, look at that. We, we might work. Okay, whoops, something's going somewhere. 
So, what if it's not like you are? You know, we might have to move these. Here, Mr. Barry, we're not. Thank you, Doug. Right. Up you come, mate. So, we have our heart, right? If you want to grab the jug. Yep. So, what happens? God pours his love into our heart. Right, right off you go. Now, that'll do. And it dribbles out accidentally, perhaps. Is that how it is? It's not, is it? It's not what God's intended for us. It's not how it is. Yes, he floods our hearts with his love, but that it dribbles out accidentally is not what he has for us. Okay. Now, let's get the bucket. Mm-hmm. Thank you, now, the trouble with my illustration is we needed a bigger bucket. But there we go. It's the best I can find. Okay. What happens when God pours his love into our hearts? What can possibly go wrong? Oh, okay. It just flows into it. He floods his love into us and it pours out of us. And the thing is that the more, the more it pours in, the more it pours out. And God's love is spread aboard. Fred of Brown, and that'll probably do it. <laughs> oh, he don't. Do you see it, friends? Do you see it? That God's love is poured into us and it just pours out of us as his love is poured into us. That is... Yeah, maybe on the ground might be. Thank you, Doug. didn't flood too much. Thank you, Doug. There we go. All right, there we are. Um, so, what have I got here? Oh, yes. We love because he has first loved us. Our love is for the brethren. Our love is, is uh, for those that um, he has given to be about us. And it flows in us more and more. Um, if I might give uh, another little illustration for us, uh, there's no water in this one. Well, not here. Um, so I work on the family farm just across the hill here. Um, and um, we, it's, it's steep like this. It's on the other slope on the Cherry Gardens roadside. And we have this um, large... Uh, the water comes from the dam uh, down the bottom, down the creek. Um, it's a large dam. It's a, it's a lovely spring-fed dam, and it's, it's full of, uh, you know, the, the water's full of life. You, know, you can get a jar full, and it's just teeming with life. Uh, it's not like the sterile water that you get uh, from your taps, from the Adelaide water. And this thing is teeming with life. And we have this large um, pipe that goes through the middle of the patches. And, and when we open the valves, it's, the, pipe, the, the, the supply pipe is always full. It's always full of water. And when we open the valves to the various patches, it's actually we're letting the water out, not in. It's, it's letting the water flow out. And in the summertime, when we're watering all the time, we, we open the valve and, and the water uh, just uh, floods through all the time. But in the wintertime, when we're not watering, all the valves are shut off. They're all shut off. The supply line is still full of water because it's always full of water. And the water goes bad. The water in the supply line goes bad because nothing's coming out. Nothing, it's not being refreshed at all. It just goes stinking um, after a week or two. And so we, we have to go and uh, start the pump and open the valve down the bottom to let the water out so that the fresh water can flood in. 
You see the picture? You know, we have been given that we might love because he supplies all our love, all his love into us. It flows into us and abundantly so, as we saw there. And it flows, it flows out to the brethren. We know his abiding in us and we can should be sure of his abiding in us as the water flows out, as his love flows out of us um, uh, to the brethren. Um, we can be sure of his love. We're abiding in his love. Um, we can have confidence in God's love for us as we love one another, as we love the brethren. Um, and so you're probably thinking, yeah, you're right, okay. I ought to love more. I ought to be loving more. Yeah, I will, I will, I will. I, I, I just, I, I will. Um, and, um, and I'll just make sure I do a better job next time. Um, and, you, and you sometimes think to yourself, you think, yeah, I used to find it easier to love even than I do now. You know, there's seasons sometimes, and I used to find it easier to love and... Um, and you feel less mature now and less complete now than you did before. And golly, making a right hash of everything, and um, even despite our best efforts. And if I might tell you a little story, another one. Um, so Mother's Day, uh, we had Mother's Day week there um, the other week, and um, it's a very like we have the family farm. It's a micro business. It's just a little micro business. It's just basically my mum and I. Um, she was eighty the other day, uh, and um, and we just pick bunches of greenery. You know, just we pick about five, well, six, seven hundred bunches a week. That's standard week, and uh, and we just sell them off. And so Mother's Day week, there was it was two and a half thousand for the week, um, and um, and there's just a lot of you know pressure. It's it's pressure to get things done and pressure to fill the orders, and you and you just. Uh, Sarah came along and my brother's wife came along and, and, and just helped to try and get these things done. And um, one of the customers, uh, dear old Wesley, he, um, he's very bad at putting his order in. He's very slow. And I said, come on, Wesley, I, I need numbers. I need numbers, Wesley. I need to know what you want. And he says, yeah, 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 yeah. And so I rang him up one day and I says, come on, Wesley, what, what do you need? And he says, well, I reckon I'll need 150 bunches of gum and, and I reckon I'll need 40 bunches of, of Pittosporum, you know, different, different Pittosporums. And I says, right, eh? He says, it might be a bit more than that at the finish, but that'll about, and I'll send you the final numbers. And I says, good, eh, Wesley? That'll be, that'll be really good. Uh, we can do that. That'll be fine. And then I was, in Mother's Day week, I was sending him, come on, Wesley, what's your final numbers? What's, what do you, I need to know. I need to know what your final numbers are. And so at half past six of the Friday morning, um, um, when I'm doing my first delivery run, he sends me a text message. And he says, I'll have uh, 160 bunches of gum and 232 bunches of pitto. <laughs> and, well, it was half past six in the morning. Um, and, and I tried to ring him because uh, I was going to tell him, look, I just can't do it, Wesley. It was the next day, next morning he wanted it, the next morning. And I was like, you know, can't do it, Wesley. And I was feeling pretty upset. Um, and he didn't pick up. And I thought, well, that's probably a good idea. And then he rang back. And I did my Charlie at him, told him how mean he was, how could he expect us to do that with a day's notice. Now, Wesley's not from this country and his English isn't strong. Um, and he probably did order that many in the first place and I just didn't understand it because um, I couldn't understand what he was saying. Um, and um, anyway, we did, get, we did get Wesley's order. Um, but, you know... What, is it, what does it say the nature uh, of an elder is? Well, they're, they're not quick-tempered. 
I thought, well, there you go. Done that, haven't I? Um, and, um, you know, when things haven't worked out for a while and, you know, you just feel completely inadequate for the task at hand and, uh, you know, I tend to want to have myself a pity party, invite myself as a guest of honour. Um, Sarah won't come to my pity party, you know. <laughs> I don't know if your wives come to your pity party, but there you go. They may be the one anymore. Um, Bron's dad, um, Bron's dad used to tell us. Um, he says that the last thing you want to do is ring somebody up and ask them how they're going, and the best thing for you to do is to ring somebody up and ask them how they're going. You know, there are points, friends, isn't it, that we feel alone and unloved, don't we? But where, has, where is that cry? Where is that distress? And who has cried that cry for us? What did he say? I am lost. I am alone. I am unloved. Why have you forsaken me? There is the cry of our heart, friends. There it is taken up. There it is born till it is finished. There we see the love of God. There in that cry, in that cross. Um, Where's my bit of, where am I up to? There is nothing, friends, that can separate us from the love of God, which is ours in Christ Jesus. As Paul tells us in Romans 8, not distress, nor tribulation, nor life, nor death, nor angels, nor things present, nor things to come, In him we are overwhelmingly conquerors. Nothing can separate us from the love of God that is ours in Christ Jesus. So are we free to love? Yes, in him and in him alone. We love from a purified heart because he has purified it. From a sincere faith because he has given given us that. So sincere faith, a cleansed conscience because he has cleansed our conscience and we are free and his mercies are new every morning and great is his faithfulness and great is his love for us and so we love. Amen. Let's pray, shall we? Oh, Father God, we just thank you so much uh, that you have met us where we are and you go on meeting us where we are and that you have loved us and you go on loving us, and that you bring us to yourself, Father, and that you shared your love in our hearts. You fill us and overflow us with your love, and we are free to love those about us. And we do, Father. It is right and good that we do. And so, Father, we just look to your filling of us more and the flow of your love to others, and we commend ourselves to your good care. In Jesus' name, amen.